Are you the kind of leader that people want to follow? Today, we're talking to author T-Bone McGowan about his book, Lead Like You Care. Welcome to another episode of Work Life Unbalanced, hosted by Jason Lichney, a branding and marketing expert, graphic artist, and entrepreneur, and Regina Romeo, Chief Human Resources Officer, HR Expert Witness, and Forbes author. Whether your workplace is your true north or things are going south when it comes to work, it's always something. This show is brought to you by CBS HR Consulting and sponsored by LinkedIn Talent Solutions and Oracle Public Sector. I'm Josh Goldman with music and Matt Michaelis. And now, here are your hosts, Jason and Regina. So today we have T-Bone. Um... T-Bone, you wrote a book, Lead Like You Care, and, and uh, honestly, the first thing that comes to my mind is, um, what kind of name is T-Bone? All right, so if you really want the story, I'm going to share it with you, I, right? I feel like we need the story. Well, everyone always asks well. that. <laughs> Whenever I do the workshop, they're like, I'm, and my mother won't call me T-Bone if she's listening to this. So T-Bone comes from me. I was working in Seattle, and if you know anything about Seattle, it's a rainy place. It's overcast. So I'm on my way to work one morning. And I'm saving my carbon footprint, and I'm catching the bus. So I'm walking across the street, and a young teenager who had just got a driver's license didn't see me as I was crossing the street. So as I'm walking, she hits me. I go under her truck, on top of her truck, through the air 35 feet, and then another car comes the other direction and hit me. Yes. I was literally T-boned, right. So when I wake up, I'm on my way to the hospital. They're rushing me to the hospital. They roll me in. They do all the x-rays, MRI, all those different type of things. And they're like, uh, you have muscles that have been separated from your bones. Your brain looks like you've been playing football for 20 years, TBI, uh, nerve damage. But they're like, why are you still alive? Because you don't have a single broken bone in your body, right? So it took me about uh, five years to recuperate and to get back to the point where I was kind of, you know, I wouldn't say somewhat functional, but, you know, moving around and doing different things. So we were sitting at dinner one night and I shared my story and people were just like, Regina, oh my God, what happened, right? And so someone said, oh, you know what? You weren't in a car, but you were T-boned. So everyone kind of started laughing. I said, but you know what? I'm going to embrace that. That's my new identity now. Because then every day it reminds me that I still have a purpose. Because according to the doctors, I shouldn't be here. So T-Bone is it. Because the first place I went was Steaks. Oh, did you? That story is much better. <laughs> you know, I mean, so how long ago was that? Uh, that was 2007. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, wow. Well, yeah. And I really, I really think that there is a such thing as divine intervention. Yeah. So we are very glad to have you. Um here with us today and that story that's amazing show is over you know so where do you even go from there but thank you for sharing that That, that's wonderful um i have familiarized myself with some of your work um, lately because i knew you were coming on today and so a lot of what i see as an hr person is what we tend to do in organizations is oh okay well jason's been here for 10 years you know let's make him a manager over these people on you know let's give him a promotion mm-hmm. but what we fail to do sometimes is just because it, it's to do a real assessment like you know jason has really good technical skills he knows you know the ins and outs of our organization so naturally i feel like i'm getting picked on a little he must be able to <laughs> not too much not too much you know um but he must be able to be a good manager right so we you know promote him on friday he comes in on monday and we're expecting 
expecting something magical. Right. Can you walk me through why that may or may not be the best idea for an organization? So one of the reasons it may not be the best idea, because the first thing, like if you were coming in and, and I was coaching with you, I would ask you, well, what are Jason's strengths? Mm -hmm. Okay, well, we have no idea what his strengths are. So what is he bringing to leadership? We have no idea what he's bringing to leadership. So he might be great at something, right? He might knock it out of the ballpark. Let's say he's a great organizer. But just because he's a great organizer doesn't mean that that's actually his strength. Right. I might realize and say that is, but you might actually hate doing it, right? Mm -hmm. And so even when we look at the idea of strengths, there's like different, you know, strength finders, tests, things out there. The real true, if you want to say mark of a strength, is that it's something that you do practically flawlessly. You get awards and recognitions for it. But here's the piece. It doesn't drain you and you actually enjoy it. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, Jason might be a great organizer, but if he finishes it and he's like, oh, man, I just wish I never had to do it again. It's not a strength, even though you're awesome at doing it. Right, right. Yeah, but not draining is another thing. I mean... We love doing these podcasts and things like that, and and but and after we after we do about five of them in one day, we're feeling pretty drained. Yes, but that's more of a physical yeah. drain, yeah. right? Yeah. As opposed to kind of a psyche or emotional drain, where like, right. man, I just never want to have to do gotcha. this. This is again. my will to live. Right. Exactly. Thing, you know? I mean, <laughs> exactly. well, I think you can be tired from something, but right? Even if. We did five in one day, which I think is our record so far. Right. And Jason was like, okay, let's go for six. I'd be like, okay, let's go for six. You know? <laughs> right. There, let's so do it again tomorrow. Some, right. <laughs> so there's still some element of excitement around it. And yes. I think what happens with managers is they – are they feel responsible for everything under the sun first mm -hmm. of all and so it becomes you know very it, it literally becomes very draining and so you know over the years in my travels i've seen a lot of people um take medical leaves and go out on workers compensation claims because the stress becomes too much and the expectation is so high or you know they, they just find themselves in a position that they don't want to be in so what advice would you give managers who really want to be the leader, they really want to, you know, step up in their organization. What are some steps or what are some tools that they can use to kind of develop for that next level? Okay. So the first thing I, I this is what I like to, when I'm coaching leaders is first thing you need to realize is this. I know we have this idea where we talk about the 360 leader, mm -hmm. right? That does not exist. Okay. <laughs> that does not exist. I feel better right? already. I mean, <laughs> Because when you think about 360 I'm, degrees. I'm just trying to get to 180. <laughs> yeah. you know, like, I just want to see what's in front of me. <laughs> yes. But that's the thing, that even the people that we lead, if we come with the expectation of 360, then that means you can do everything, right? You're superwoman. You're time. Wonder Woman all right. the time. Mm -hmm. And that's not the reality because we all have strengths and weaknesses. So it's like, what are you great at? And then what do you find on your team that are your weaknesses mm -hmm. that someone else can step up to the plate and actually feel that weakness because it's their strength? Mm -hmm. And so when I go in and I'm coaching and I'm working with high-performance teams, like I work with NASCAR um, in the past, the thing is, each person brings to the table what their strength is. And when each person brings their strength and magnifies their strength, that creates a high-performance team. Mm -hmm. Okay. What I find, though, oftentimes people are expecting you, even the areas that are your weaknesses, for you to actually be well in those also. Mm -hmm. And what the research shows us is that you can improve your weaknesses maybe one to two points. Okay. That's it. But your strengths are exponential. That's the reason they're called your strengths. Right. 
And the interesting thing, because I'm a, I'm a huge Wonder Woman fan. All right. Um, <laughs> but the thing about Wonder Woman is that even Wonder Woman wasn't Wonder That's Woman all the time. Right. You know, she right. was Diana Prince sometimes minding right. her own business. Right. You know, so I think, you know, being able to balance when you need to step up and be that person who's in charge of everything, when you need to delegate, when you need to step back, is really about, you know, having that self-awareness of what, what your strengths are and, and, and you know when to jump in and jump out. Now you got Karen White going through my head. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm not, not your super, super <laughs> right, we're going to be selling CDs out of our trunk before this is over. So, so talk to me a little bit about how you develop, because, you know, I think for managers, we get told a lot of what we can and can't do. You know, it's, oh, you're great at this. You know, let's do this. But how do you develop more of a sense of self-awareness that you can bring to your organization? So to just kind of know when it's like, yeah, I'm kind of good. Like for me, like I'm, I'm very good at event planning, mm-hmm. but I don't want to do that for everything. I don't want to do everybody's retirement. I don't want to do everybody's birthday. Holler at me at Halloween and maybe a couple other, you know, special events that I do, but all day, every day, no. So I know I can execute those very well. So how do you develop your sense of self-awareness and also communicate that to the rest of your organization about where you feel, you know, you would be most effective? Right. So this is where assessments actually, you know, come into play. And I am a big proponent of uh, assessments. There's actually a few online on, you know, on my website and stuff that you can take. But here's the reality. The reality is oftentimes you have to have other people to actually step in and to help you to become Mm self-aware because sometimes you're just totally oblivious, right, to the actual strains or what you're bringing to the table and you need to have another eye. And this is the, the cool thing. Um, so I'm going to share something with you. So when we look at the research, what we find is that female leaders actually engage their employees six percentage points higher actually than males. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, wow, why is that? What are the ladies doing that the guys are missing out on? You're welcome. All right. <laughs> yes. Okay, you so can't see me roll my eyes. <laughs> <out. laughs> I can feel yeah, it. I did. Did. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But uh, there's, and they're in the book, but I'm going to give you just one that they just automatically start to do that engage their employees more. And that is that they actually develop their employees more than male managers actually do. Six, six points higher, you said? Six percentage That's points my new nickname. higher, right? Six okay. points. Six points. Six percentage <laughs> points higher. I'm a solid six. <laughs> right? Points. So it's like when, when you come into the door, the female manager, she's thinking, okay, so how can I develop you? How can mm-hmm. I move you to where you want to go, what you need? Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is that they create a more positive, actually, work environment. Okay. And so do you think that it's – and so how does that play out then? So – if there's more, you know, I know we talk about engagement a lot, you know, and mm-hmm. how people come to work and, you know, bring your whole self to work and all that, all that other stuff. But how does that play out in the workplace in terms of knowing how far to go with, with that engagement and allowing people to um, just, you know, like, where do you draw the line? I guess you would say, because I think what happens is me being a female, being mm-hmm. a female, it's just, you know, th- that there's this expectation that, oh, okay, well, we want to accommodate everybody's everything all the time. Right. And that's just in leadership in general. So how do you draw the line to help that person develop, save your own sanity, and still right. kind of focus on the mission of your of your organization? Right. And that's where a lot of the emotional intelligence comes in. Mm-hmm. So having the emotional intelligence helps me also to realize, like we talk about, I can't be the 360. Mm-hmm. I can help develop you to the points I can't develop you but there are also boundaries. Right. And okay. that's one of the things okay. that I think that oftentimes as leaders that 
because we have these high expectations that people forget that there are boundaries that need to be put in place. Mm -hmm. And here's one of the thing also when I'm working and, and coaching leaders, and that is when you're working with your, your, your followers, your leaders, actually have them to come up with the solutions, mm -hmm. right? Even when we're talking about development. So what areas do you want to grow in? What areas and things do you think that you can bring to the table that we could support whoever through training? Because what happens is when you do it that way and the other person comes up with the solution, mm -hmm. it creates buy-in. And that's part of the motivation piece. Well, well, how do I motivate these people? Well, if you have them to create buy-in, I don't have to push you, right? Right, right. Because I have always said, you know, your your employees are always motivated. You know, whether they're motivated to work or motivated to lay around. <laughs> yes, when that's to work right. That's a whole different conversation. Yes. So it's because to me, it's, you know, when you talk about boundaries and how far you can go, sometimes, you know, if you are too permissive with something, then people will push too far. And then that creates a different kind of response, you know, from yes. the leadership. Those so, are the joys of leadership. Right. Right. You know. And that's why I said there's, you know, 52,791 books on Amazon on leadership <laughs> is because it's fluid. Right. Is right. that an exact number like as of I today? think I looked it up and typed it in. It was sometime, it said it was 50, now I don't know if it's correct, <laughs> but that's, it said it was 52,791. So you mentioned coaching a number of times and then you provide coaching for different individuals, different leaders. How, um, how often do you think leaders need to get coaching? What, what level of leadership should be looking at coaching? Is it, is it something everybody should consider? Um, and then I guess as a caveat, if their organization doesn't pay for that, right, is it valuable for individuals to go and pay for it themselves? Yes, uh, all of those are correct and all of those are true. So the first thing is, of course, figuring out where we're at and, and why we need the coaching. Of course, as a professional coach, I'm going to say go out yeah. and get a coach. <laughs> I mean, and I have my own coach, you know, also. But like I said, the reality is when we're talking about self-awareness and collaboration, we need other people actually to help us. So let me give you an example. So I was called in to uh, work for an organization in Seattle, Washington, number one software company. Okay. And I wonder what that is. Yeah, I wonder who that is. So they called me in because this person, um, their OHI number, which is called their organizational health index number, was in the low 60s. One of the results of that is that this person, the attrition rate was 40% oh, wow. for their group, right? So people were just coming people are in. running out. Like yes, running okay. out the door <laughs> and running in the door, right? And so they're like, okay, we're going to give you five months to work with this person. I'm like, five months? I'm like, usually I get a year, you know, especially mm -hmm. at that level. Mm -hmm. So I had to figure out, okay, what was the number one thing that this person needed to work on? It was emotional intelligence, what was the emotional intelligence? So I trained them in a technique, active listening. And I'm going to say, if you're going to be an extraordinary leader and one who leads like you care, you have to be excellent at active listening. So those of you that have taken my, my classes, you know I have. It's called the T-bone drill, right? And we, right? And so we do the T-bone drill for, for four minutes. And so you're actively listening to the person. And then once we finish with that, you tell from a context perspective, not content, context, what you learned about that person. Mm -hmm. Okay. You share and then you ask that person, how true is this for you? Because you got to make sure that your assessment is accurate. So I said, this person, I need you to do this drill to every person in your team. He had an organization of 600 people, 600 wow. people, right? 
when he finished doing that drill and we finished our other stuff, in five months, his score went from a 67 to the upper 80s. Oh, wow. Right? So if there's one thing that you want to do to improve your leadership, I'm going to say the number one thing is you have to be great at honing your active listening skills. And active listening, I guess, break that down for me. What does that look like? So active listening. Now, this is great. Okay. So let's just say, for example, um, and that's almost like word association. So I was working with an individual and I said, okay, we're going to do this little, this little drill. And so the word is ocean. And so I gave the person the word ocean and they just start talking about the word ocean. And so as she was talking, she was talking about her childhood. She was talking about how she was going into the inner city, rescuing kids and all these different types of things. And then at the end of the four minutes, I said, okay, so this is what I learned about you. This is the context. And it was like, man, you know what? Even though you don't have children of your own, that rescuing other people's children, and it's really important to you to be able to contribute in that way. And she starts crying. I'm like, what's, what's going on? She's like, I've been working with these other people for 14 years. And she's like, in four minutes, you understood me. That's what active listening is about. I wasn't listening just to the content, but I was listening to the context. I was looking at where her eyes was going when she was talking about going. And I was looking at her body language. I was looking at the micro expressions. We do it all the time, right? Yeah, people that walk into the room and you're like, oh, here they come. Here yeah, see? This guy. Exactly. Right. <laughs> I feel so, like I'm getting picked up. <laughs> yeah, but we didn't give any names. You took that personal. I wasn't even talking about you that time. That, that uh, time, no. Right. Well, and, and I think that that's important because I think, you know, you hear all the adages, you know, you're listening, you're listening, you should listen to understand and not to respond, mm -hmm. you know, and, and things like that. And there's so much that goes on because I don't, I think people underestimate how much communication there is, even mm. without the words, you know, right. you know, it's only a very small percentage of the communication that comes ro comes across in the word. It is the body language. It's the tone. It's the yeah. emotion that's behind it. So in your book, you talk a little bit about emotional hijacking, which yes. I'm totally, I'm putting that on a t-shirt, you know, so I, can you talk a little bit about what that means and how that plays out um, in different leadership styles? All right. So let me give you the backstory behind it first, because there's always a story I for love all this stuff. Okay. So emotional hijacking. So let's just say I'm still working for this organization that okay. we talked about, the number one in the world, uh -huh. software company in the world. All right. So I'm working for this executive. And so we're getting ready to go in front of the CEO of this corporation. And you don't want to hear these words from this person like, what did I hire you for? Because that means you need to go back to your desk, pack your stuff, and you're getting ready to head out. Right. All right. So I'm in my office three days, three nights. And I'm just trying to find this bullet point to show that we need to exist as a team so we don't hear the words, what did I hire you for? Mm -hmm. Day number three, I find it. Right. Ah, right. Okay. The heavens open. Yes, the heavens opens. And I find it. And I show that my team is bringing in 33% of this company's total revenue. Yes. Okay. We're going to keep our jobs. All right. So I'm going to go home, go to sleep. My exec comes down the hall, comes into my office and throws down a $20 bill and said, get me some oatmeal. I'm like, okay. Then he walks back to his room. And then I look at the $20 bill. I'm like, did he just tell me to go get him some oatmeal? You get to keep the change though, right? <laughs> Shipping I'm like, and handling, I'm right? like, did he just tell me? And I'm like, he just told me. So I walk down the hallway, all the doors and stuff are open, right? And so I go into his office. Now, I just to let you guys know, I'm always the calm one. 
Okay. okay. So my conflict management style was turtle at that at that time. Okay. <laughs> so if you take my classes, you'll know what that means, right? So I was I was the turtle. So I walk down there and I throw the twenty dollars bill and I said, "This is not Uncle Tom's cabin. I am not your slave. And if you want your bleep bleep oatmeal, you go bleep Better bleep your oatmeal." Yes, yes. And so then I walk back to my desk and then I sit down and it hits me, "Oh God, what did I just do?" Right? I had been emotionally hijacked. Now, what do they tell you, right? When you when you're in that space and you're escalating, what do you do? Breathe, right? Okay, so I'm breathing. <sighs> okay, I'm breathing. Okay, so let me go apologize. All right. As soon as I walk down how, guess what pops into my head? That $20 ping. Oh, no, he didn't. <laughs> right? Okay. Right. So then what do I do next? They tell you to walk. So I go out, I walk, and I breathe. I'm doing all this different type of stuff, and I come back. Okay, let me go apologize. And as soon as I sit down, bing, the 20, and I'm just escalating back up. <laughs> like I'm not ready yet. Exactly. I haven't calmed down yet. And so, But there's a physiological effect, and mm-hmm. that's what we call amygdala hijacking or emotional hijacking. So what happens is the amygdala overtakes what we call the knee uh, the neocortex. So what it does is your your brain is filled with neurotransmitters, hormones, those different type of things. So it leaves you little room to actually do reasoning. Okay. So uh, if you want to hear people say, oh, I'm all caught up in my emotions and feelings. Mm-hmm. Yes, you are because the neurotransmitters. Now, here's the thing. The adrenaline takes about 18 minutes to go back into the system. Mm. But the other hormones and stuff take two to four hours. Okay. So that's why you're having a hard time trying to calm down. So I need to talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> 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 right, you know. So okay. when you're dealing with people that have escalated to that point, the first thing you need to realize is you need to give them space for a couple of hours so that those neurotransmitters and hormones can actually be reabsorbed back into the system. Now, if you're working with them while they're escalating before they get to that point, this is where you use what we call empowering questioning, because there are questions that you can actually use that will redirect their brain from the amygdala back around to the prefrontal cortex. Okay. And here's the most powerful one that you can use mm. is how. Okay. So for example, let's just say Regina, I, <laughs> okay, let's say we're in conflict, right? And she's starting to escalate. Mm-hmm. And I'm so, keeping the $20. You can, you can you know, give her the $20. Right. And so I said, so, hey, um, Regina, so how would you like to go about resolving this conflict that you and I are having at this time? Now, notice I took my time to ask the question because there's my seven to 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. What happens in your brain is when it hears the word how, mm-hmm. it goes and it starts processing trying to figure out an answer. Mm-hmm. So now I just moved you from the amygdala around to the prefrontal cortex. Now, what if Regina says, well, you know how I would like to handle T-bone? I would just like to chop your head off. Okay. That sounds like me. That sounds <laughs> it's like you say, well, I don't want to hear that answer, but yes, I do. Because what happens is I moved her from here around to here to give me a response. And then I could say, so how would that work if you were going to, right? And then and she's now I'm stu- thinking process. Right, exactly. <laughs> yes. And she's thinking process. And so then that helps move our conversation from the amygdala back around to the prefrontal cortex. Okay. So it's a lot, a lot of brain chemistry, a lot of brain Neuroscience science. Neuroscience is I awesome. So yeah. how, how did that story end with the $20? Everyone always asks me Right that. here and I say, that's why I'm doing what I do now. <laughs> no, yeah. no. So I, I come in the next day, right? And so, uh, of course, and I just say, I say, you know me. I said, I never use language like that. And I said, I don't hardly get upset. But I said, here was the issue. I said, I've been in my office three days, three nights. I said, I'm the one who always goes to bat for you, whatever, on this team. And I said... 
um, I just need you to use one word for me. I said, I don't mind if I'm getting something for myself. I'll go get you something too. But I said, I need you to use one word for me. Please. Like, yes, I know. <laughs> well, and I had to tell him that, please, because emotional intelligence is important. He right. didn't pick up on that, right? Okay, so he did do it one more time. <laughs> he did okay. do it one more time. Lesson not learned. Yes. Okay. And, but this time he threw a $100 bill down, right? And he did say, please. And then he told me to keep the change, right? And I said, I sure will, because you're not paying me enough. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never see that hundred dollars like, again. And then after that, I figured, okay, I, I need to find another division or group to right. work with, or just get a Costco membership and buy a whole bunch <laughs> of oatmeal. You know, and just like, keep it at your a, desk, in you the know. bottom drawer, bro. <laughs> Be right back. You know, <laughs> throw them some oatmeal packets. Yeah, exactly. that's it. Go microwave <laughs> want, these. You want, you want the oatmeal, cinnamon, uh, apple? Exactly. Go, well, I think it's. I think that those types of things are important because I think with with leadership and, you know, getting away from management more into leadership. Cause I think you can be a leader at any level yes. is to be able to understand that, you know, you're always going to have a lot to learn. Like you said before, you know, leadership is very fluid. Mm -hmm. So in your book, there's a lot of information. So what is your, you know, time horizon when you're trying to implement or trying to learn some of these things? How do you go about walking through some of the, 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 the tips and under, you know, the things that you need to understand in order to develop those leadership skills? Yeah. So the book is, to, is written in such a way to birth you within nine months. Okay. So within nine months, we have the new birth of a, a, a new leader. So if you were to take, let's just say a chapter each month, then actually do the assignments and work the assignments in there. By time you finish your nine months, you're going to be a different type of leader. Okay. Hopefully it's going to be the one that people actually want to follow. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. okay. Awesome. So for people that are looking to get your book or kind of connect with you, um, a little bit more and, and learn some stuff. Uh, the book is called Lead Like You Care, uh, author um, T-Bone McGowan. And uh, the front cover uh, says coaching conversations and leadership principles to make you uh, the leader people want to follow. Um, on social media, they can also look you up, I'm assuming Facebook, Instagram. Yeah, LinkedIn. so you can go to Coach T-Bone, CoachT-Bone.com for the website, Lead Like You Care on Instagram. Um, and yeah. you train all, you, you uh, offer courses and coaching, is it nationwide or just on the West Coast? Or yes, I've actually done some internationally also. So I've traveled to Australia, uh, New Zealand. So I've done some, some coaching there. And then I actually have a Lead Like You Care workshop coming up um, April 14th here in Roseville, uh, California. So just go to the website and sign up. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate having you. Thanks for coming hey, today. Thanks, and, guys. Uh, learning a little bit to be better leaders. Right. And now Regina and I have to go get my $100 bill ready. Yeah. <laughs> She's got to get her $100 bill ready. I'll get her oatmeal. And, um, <laughs> And then we'll both read your book chapter by chapter over right. the next And hopefully six learn the first time, right? <laughs> and uh, hopefully never do the oatmeal $100 right. bill thing again. Uh, See you in four hours. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But again, thank you very much. We appreciate it. And uh, and wish you uh, great success in your uh, career and, and other people's success as they grow as leaders. Thanks. And that's a wrap on another episode of Work Life Non-Balance. To learn more about our show and our hosts or sponsors, visit WLUBradio.com. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode. All shows are produced by Jason Lichney and Regino Romeo and are recorded in the CPS HR Consulting Studio in beautiful Sacramento, California. 
Old music is written and performed by Matt Michaelis. Check out all his music at mattmichaelismusic.com on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you download music. Until next time, I'm Josh Goldman. Thanks for tuning in.